0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Pacing Racing Podcast, the Canadian triathlon podcast made in mind for the age group triathletes. Now, today marks the official launch of our new segment within the Pacing Racing Podcast, which I'm super thrilled about. Now, of course, I'll continue on with the triathlon interviews that are primarily focused on the training tips for the age group triathletes, but what I felt was missing from this channel was to have race coverage and a little bit more of in-depth discussion on pre-race coverage or post-race recaps. And now, I also missed having a secondary perspective in on the interviews and the race discussions. So, I mean, that's why I'm happy today to introduce our new weekly segment within the Pacing Racing podcast called the Triathlon Sideline Chat with your two hosts. And yes, you heard it right, your two hosts, myself and Jenna Care Seafried. Now, in today's episode, you'll hear about the future plans with the Triathlon Sideline Chat. And what can you expect from us as we get into a competitive 2019 triathlon season between the Ironman series, the Super League series, World Triathlon series, and of course, the Challenge Family series. And we also talk about a post-race recap on the four big races that were on last weekend, including Ironman Texas, World Triathlon series Bermuda, Challenge Cancun, and Ironman 7.3 Marbella. We'll then end it off discussing our pre-race predictions and analysis leading into this weekend's exciting races. So guys, I won't get into it any further. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast and let's cue the music. So Jenna, how's it going? I mean, I know you've already been on as a guest, but uh, we made it official now that you'll be a co-host for the Triathlon Sideline Chat episodes.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to join onto the team here and help co-host some of these episodes. Um, I'm just always happy to talk on and I'm pretty sure my friends and family are pretty psyched that I'll have somewhere to geek out on it a little bit more <laughs> they don't have to hear about it.
0: Exactly. I think that's why I started this podcast too, because I needed someone to listen to it. You <laughs> know, that, that's good. And I mean, first off, before we sort of get into everything, let's uh, let's kick it back a little bit. And like, how's your week been going so far?
1: going great um i'm kind of in peak training right now for ironman cork it's oh my goodness almost seven weeks out now so coming down to the wire i'm going to be headed up to ironman victoria 70.3 in a in about a month here which it'll be good just to have a tune-up race so trying to remember how to do all that race day fun but (laughs) yeah other than that just big training weeks lately a little bit tired and sore but it's all kind of clicking along (laughs)
0: now have you found it was a big difference from training for this ironman cork as opposed to say doing a 7.3 distance like it's a lot more volume i assume eh? a lot more time consuming
1: yeah absolutely so i only race ironman every other year uh just because of the time time restraint of it and kind of the pressure it puts on my family so it's definitely a lot more volume um i'm kind of training like i never have before which has been fun to see. It's been kind of a six-year progression over my just kind of experience in the sport. Now I'm actually able to tap into some pretty pretty solid training hours. So I'm pretty excited to see what's going to happen in, in Cork with that.
0: Exactly. No, that, that's very cool. And now, I mean, so before we get into the plans uh, for this episode that we're going to do the triathlon sideline chat, uh, let's sort of bring all the listeners up to the pace. Uh, like, What's sort of your background in triathlon? I know we've had a previous episode that really dove into this. So I know listeners can Sort of tune into that if they want to know more, but just to bring everyone up to snuff. Uh, sort of, where's your background in triathlon?
1: Sure, so I'll try to keep it somewhat brief here. But uh, started triathlon about seven years ago. Um, I was always kind of overweight and never an athletic kid, so took to about my mid twenties for me to find sport in any kind of way. But uh, I lost some weight and was looking for a way to keep it off, and ended up joining a running club in Midland, Texas, of all places. And uh, with a bad habit of jumping all in, I. Quickly, got injured with a pelvic stress fracture, which was less than fun. But uh, my physio recommended kind of swimming and biking as a good way to just kind of hold on to some fitness, so I'd be able to get back into it. And well, figured if I'm swimming and biking, and the running will come back, may as well try a triathlon. And uh, signed up for a sprint triathlon, but there was Ironman Buffalo Spring seventy point three on a little bit earlier than that first one, so I decided to jump all in with a half Ironman. I don't recommend, but it was a lot of fun. (laughs) Kind of got hooked on the sport after that and um, did Ironman pretty soon after that and took a couple years off to have my son after I did Ironman and then came back to the sport and ended up again jumping right back in. Uh, Ended up winning the IT Long Distance World Championships. Um, I also trained to become a triathlon coach because triathlon had changed my life so significantly. I really wanted to kind of pass that experience on to other people and show them that really anyone can do triathlon. If I can do it, then you can probably manage it too. So, <laughs> um, And then about a year ago, I started coaching for MX Endurance, uh, Chris McCormick's triathlon team, which has definitely led me to some fun races around the world. And, and also a race series that we're going to be talking lots about as it kicks off is uh, Super League Triathlon. So i am been lucky enough to travel around to a few of those.
0: Awesome. No, that's really cool. And uh, again, that's awesome insight. Uh, to, you're exactly right about the super league triathlon and there's just, there needs to be so much more coverage on that than what there is now. Like I know they do a fantastic job, but, um, I know well, here in North America, anyway, it's very Ironman heavy at the moment. So it's, okay. it's nice to see that we can give this other perspective on it. So I mean, I mean, let's talk about that now. Like, uh, we came up with the idea. Well, both of us are on the same page, actually, that, uh, we should do a new segment on the show called which we called the triathlon silent chat. And we'll talk about what that's about. Like we're both actually on the same page came down to what we saw in the super league. It was just such incredible racing, but there honestly just wasn't enough, I guess, coverage to, to do it justice. Right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's kind of fun to come from a different perspective, like from the age group athlete watching it. So we get to ask the questions that we want to know as age group athletes from these professionals. We, hear a bit from them um, through the Super League triathlon kind of social media and stuff. But we can really dig in a little bit more and ask the things that most age groupers are wondering. So it's kind of fun to be able to talk to these personalities of the sport and see kind of their perspective a little bit more as well.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, we both love the idea of connecting with the professionals out there and hearing about the race, I guess, from their perspective and show their personalities and build that fan professional relationship that people don't often get to see. I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of people just get to see them on race day, maybe the odd the pre interview, I guess, before the race. But I mean, that's as far as it goes. So I, I like the idea that we can sort of dive in and ask them questions and ask their opinion on what they expect to come of the race or how the race felt for them. So, I mean, that's a really cool thing that we'll be able to do in this podcast.
1: Yeah. And we can really get in touch with them soon after races, like with, um, actually one of our first guests on here, Jocelyn McCauley, who just did Ironman Texas and is racing Ironman St. George 70.3 this weekend. Uh, we'll get her perspective of what happened in those races fresh in her mind. And she'll probably still be a little bit sore from (laughs) St. George. because that's a brutal race, especially a week after an Ironman. And then I hope that we can also kind of ask these athletes what their race predictions are because these pe- these are the people they're competing against. So they probably have a little bit more insight than us just sitting on the sidelines of how some of these races are going to go down. So it should be a lot of fun to hear what they have to say.
0: Oh yeah. No, absolutely. That's that's so true. And, and now... I guess one of the things we want to see out of these episodes coming up is um, covering the big races throughout the weekends. I mean, as we're into prime season now, it seems week to week, we're going to have a few big races each week. So we'll get to talk about that. I guess sort of the the pre-race coverage, which you'll hear about today, but also some of the post-race coverage, which last weekend, of course, they just had the world triathlon series Bermuda race. Um, As you just mentioned, Ironman Texas, which was a big race with a lot of top-notch professionals. And then there, we had challenge Cancun and Ironman 70.3 Marbella. So uh we'll get to talk about all that in uh in detail in today's episode and then we'll also talk about at the end sort of where our predictions are heading into this weekend with St. George and a few others that we'll we'll get to. So
1: Yeah, definitely. But before we get into all that, uh, you're the person usually asking the questions here. <laughs> so I'm gonna come at you from the other side and ask uh how's your week been? How's your training going these days?
0: You know what? That's, that's a good question. How is the training? So I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. The swimming has been less than optimal these days, (laughs) but it's just been, it's a matter of being uh, just juggling everything. Right. So, Mm -hmm. um, luckily right now, uh, just have holidays next couple of weeks from work. So that should sort of help me a lot with getting back in the swimming. So I'm about a month out from my first Ironman 7.3 of the season, which is going to be Eagleman. So I'm, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So the training's been Excellent in the bike and the run, I'd say less ideal in the swim, but I'm hoping to make up for that this month. And I mean, other than that, again, this is going to the bike segment part of it. I just went down to Toronto. Was it yesterday or two days? I mean, a couple days ago, maybe. Um, went down to see Stack Performance, and it was actually really cool because i got to do a, a awesome. It turned out to be a bike fit ultimately, which I went down just to see how my aerodynamics were on my bike. But right when I got there, the guy Mike said to me, he's like, he's like, this is really off. He's like, your bike is not suited ideally for you so it's like why don't, yeah he's like so why don't we just do a bike fit to begin with and then you'll see some better numbers and then we can also run it through the stack performance virtual wind tunnel to see how we fared on the before and after of our aerodynamics i guess for the, the bike positioning so needless to say actually i just got an email right before we started this podcast with the results so after this podcast, I'm going to dive into that a little bit and analyze it. And then what's cool is Stack Performance. So I guess I should explain what they do. They run you through a series of a 3D scanning, which will show you how you'd fare in your aerodynamic position out on courses. So it's really cool because uh, they could pinpoint numbers and they could show you like if you're to make adjustments. So say if you're to put on a certain set of race wheels as opposed to the ones you have on now, how more aerodynamic you'd be and like how much you would increase. And then same with like your hydration systems. If you were to lower your front end, uh, your bars a little bit, like say 10 millimeters or bring them up. So it's all really cool stuff. So I'm excited to see that. So that's sort of been my week kind of all in a nutshell, just a lot of bike training, a lot of run training. A lot of bike aerodynamic positioning and no swimming. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> swimming's always that time suck, makes it uh, challenging. But that sounds so exciting on the uh, the aerodynamics. It'll be interesting to see kind of how you feel out on the road afterwards to see if you see those benefits right away.
0: Yeah. Like, honestly, it made such a difference going into the, like, my positioning was like night and day. So, I'm, I haven't taken my bike out yet, but instantly I could already feel just being on the trainer is like, okay, like, I knew something was off and. Mm-hmm. it made such a difference and even switching out the saddle. So I switched out my saddle right away and, and I just felt like, okay, this is, it's going to be exciting to see. So I'm looking forward to taking it out on the road. And, uh, now it's, I mean, here in Ontario and Canada, it's just getting warm enough now. So I finally took my bike off the trainer. So I'm going to take it out on the road sometime this weekend and we'll see how it goes. But I mean, that's oh, been my awesome.
1: week. Nothing like when you get to start going outside, it's such a long winter around here. So,
0: Oh my God. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> No. Awesome. I mean, so let's, uh, let's switch it over now to the race yeah. weekend, that just happened. So, I mean, we had four big races that were going on. So we had the world triathlon series in Bermuda. We had the Ironman 7.3 Marbella challenge, Cancun and Ironman Texas. Now I was able to pay attention to the world triathlon series in Bermuda and also challenge Cancun and Ironman Texas. And unfortunately I didn't get to see anything on Marbella 7.3. So I mean, what sort of happened at that race? Do you know anything about that?
1: Yeah, so I don't think you're alone on that one. It was a lot easier. Ironman's kind of starting to step up their coverage. So Ironman Texas had live streaming all day with some, some actually pretty decent commentary. And of course, WTS, those races you can see from start to finish with some awesome production. Uh, some of the smaller races like Marbella, um, it's a little harder to kind of follow along with. They have some Twitter coverage. But uh, I don't think typically this race would get a ton of attention but Alistair Brownlee was competing at 70.3 Marbella, so that kind of drew a few more eyes to it. There's been a lot of talk about whether he's actually going to go to the 2020 Olympics or continue to focus on long-distance triathlon. Seems like right now he's not, uh, either hasn't made up his mind or isn't willing to really announce what he's going to do, so, and doesn't seem to love that question either, so (laughs) we'll uh, wait to see what he ends up doing. It sounds like right now he's kind of keeping his feet on both sides, so doing some 70.3 racing and then hopefully we'll see him on a couple of the WTS series races too just to keep that olympics possibility open for sure so it was cool to see um he was working on the time trial position with some shots of him doing aero testing on his scott bike with a Sebastian Keenley, who definitely knows how to ride a bike in an Ironman, so it's cool to see the two of them working on that together. Uh, oh. For the race, it was pretty much Alistair, no surprise, let out of the water. Um, but unfortunately, he had a mechanical issue, which Uber biker Andreas Streitz definitely took advantage of. He uh, powered away to about a 10-minute lead over Brownlee. Um, Alistair had a race-best uh, one eleven half marathon, which is pretty quick you know it's good to be able to mentally regroup and get back into that but uh unfortunately it wasn't enough to catch up with dreitz who took the win uh Domenico Pesuelo rounded out the podium in third place there uh,
0: so I mean that's, that's amazing just to look at so the fact that dreitz can take a 10-minute a advantage just on the bike itself like it's yeah that like that's insane I, I, I'd be curious to see what those uh like his, his power meter ride throughout that right and like I mean to look at Alistair racing a one eleven half marathon, (laughs) like that's that's mind-boggling. After that, because I was just looking at Cody Beals, and I think he ran a one fifteen, just just about a one fifteen. I and I looked that up to conversion to it was a three thirty-three per kilometer, and like to me, I'm like, oh my god, like to do that for a half marathon is. Like these guys are going super quick.
1: Well, and it's crazy to see, especially um, on the men's side, they're just knocking those times down. There have been a number of sub sub 70 minute half marathons in these 70.3s, which is just unreal to really think about. <laughs> and they're just getting faster, especially you know when you have races like the 70.3 world last year, where you have people like Javier Gomez, Jan Frodeno, and Alistair Brownlee all pushing for the win. Like these times, the closer these races get, the more competitive they get, the more the I2 athletes come into 70.3. They're just going to keep getting faster, which is mind-boggling.
0: <laughs> it's crazy, eh? No, it's awesome. And, and like, how about the women's side? How, how was that race?
1: Yeah, so the women's side, it was a complete domination by Laura Phillips. Uh, she came second out of the water, and that was the last part of the race she did not lead. <laughs> uh, she followed that up with the fastest women's bike and run split and ended up increasing her margin ahead on each leg and one by over ten minutes, which is very, very cool. Wow. Yeah. And then Nina Darren was in second and Marta Bernardi was in third.
0: That's that's amazing. And so you know what's crazy is that Laura like Laura Phillip, she is a triathlete to watch out for, I guess, these days. Then it was actually triathlon Terran himself. He like he pointed out to me about Laura Phillip originally. And it's funny because I thought like I didn't think too much of Laura Phillip at the beginning, when he told me that, but then, mm-hmm. funny enough, I was emailing with Patrick Lango's manager, and and I just so happened to see that he's also the manager of Laura Phillip, and I was like, okay, okay, like, clear, clear. This guy, like, he's picking the top athletes, and obviously, so she's someone we need to watch out for more. And so, like, I looked her up. She has fourteen Ironman seventy point three wins with an Ironman, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like she's unbelievable in the 70.3s. And then even the full, she had a the Barcelona Ironman. She had a win time of eight thirty four. So like that's itching towards record territory. So it's like, I mean, she's definitely a fierce triathlete to watch out for.
1: Absolutely. That's very exciting. Yeah. We'll have to see how she does this season. For she's sure. Off to a good start.
0: Oh yeah. No, incredible. And now awesome. And I mean, the same weekend we had the world triathlon series Bermuda race, which of course had a very competitive lineup. Um, we actually had a lot of our podcast guests there, like Hayden wild, Katie Zafirez, uh, Christian Blumentfeld, and they're all competing there. So super exciting to watch. And I mean, now, first off, can you tell us a bit about that course and like, why was it such a big race to them? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So the Bermuda course is really interesting. It's absolutely stunning. But the fun part about it is it was designed by Bermudian uh, Flora Duffy. She's definitely known for her incredible biking strength and technical skills. And she reflects that in the course of it. Uh, they start with a 1500 meter swim. And last year, they had to dive off of a platform that was a couple couple meters high, which had a few of them losing caps and goggles. <laughs> it's not so much fun to start the race that way. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, but this year they actually built a platform like most CIT races have. So it was just a short dive, which makes it a little bit easier. And then the fun part and what this race always mixes up the results. You can never guess who's going to win it because this bike course is so tough. They have to do t- uh, 10 laps of so four kilometers, but they have to go up a uh, corkscrew hill each time. It is a pretty sharp, steep climb with some off camber turns. And What that means for the athletes is there's no hiding in the bike pack and saving your legs for the run. Everyone has to burn a few matches going up this hill and it definitely, it reflects in the run afterwards and just who ends up having a lead off the bike. And then the run was four laps of two and a half kilometers. So tons of opportunities to see who's moving through the field. Because again, this race is so unpredictable. You never know who's going to come from the second pack to get on the podium, which makes it really fun to watch.
0: That's amazing. And like, so (laughs) that Corkscrew Hill, I've, I've, not that I've seen it, but I've heard about it, and I've seen it in lots of the pro triathletes' posts. Them mentioning the course crew hill. So you were just saying there that they have to do ten laps that so they have to do that ten times that hill.
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely, and it just burns the legs. And that's a place where a lot of moves happen because you can power up the hill, and typically the front pack will kind of cruise down it. But if you're just off that front pack or just behind a group of people, then you have to go up the hill hard, and then you have to push that downhill too if you have any hope of tacking onto the group ahead of you. So that burns even more matches and makes it pretty tough and no one can just sit in behind the group and draft so it makes the run very fair we'll say
0: (laughs) oh yeah wow no that's amazing that's that sounds really tough
1: yeah so and the reason this race is so big is the wts series you're going to see a lot of the same athletes um coming through and right now it's all about olympic qualification with the 2020 olympics coming up so people are going up to these races and they're gaining points for their countries to have the maximum amount of slots for the Olympic Games. Um, they're also working to increase their individual rankings because each country has their own individual qualification standard. There's no, no standard for the whole series. Um, some are based on race results and rankings. Others are based on discretionary selection and a few of them are based on a combination of both. Um, athletes want to have a good showing to show their federation they're olympics worthy or to gain points for their country to either get one two or three olympic spots on the start list so this month um there'll be a big race coming up for uh wts yokohama because i believe a number of countries are actually using that as a potential automatic qualifier so athletes want to get their qualification as soon as possible so they can just focus on the olympics and getting ready for that and It'll be interesting to see how Yokohama goes because people are really going to be battling hard for those selections.
0: Well, yeah, you're right. Like that's just it. And speaking to a lot of the the ITU triathletes or the Super League triathletes, um, I've got to hear that the, their most their priority number one is essentially getting that Olympic qualif- qualification. And, and like you said, like every country seems to do it a little bit differently, but okay. relatively, like these big races make a make a huge impact on that. So they're all their number one goal right now is to do well in these races and sort of do that for their country, right? So it's it's a big year for them with next year being the uh, Olympics. So there's going to be a lot, of, uh, a lot of good battles, I guess, throughout this year for that.
1: Definitely. And so we'll start off with uh, the women's race. Uh, Flora Duffy dominated it last year. It was incredible to watch, but unfortunately, she's out with an injury. At the beginning of the women's race, there was actually some discussion of if it would have to be delayed or not because there was a storm rolling in over the island. Uh, I don't know if people saw pictures of it, but it was a torrential downpour during the swim. (laughs) At least that's the best place to have the the rainstorm. Um, That's right, yeah. Yeah, they were a little worried about lightning and thunder and stuff. But luckily, small island, it passed over pretty quickly. Um, What that meant for the bike course was just seeing pictures of rivers flowing down that corkscrew hill. They had to be pretty safe on that and couldn't push too, too much in some of those corners. So adds another aspect to the racing, you could say.
0: (laughs) For sure. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, So the race went down. Britain's Jessica Learmonth led the women out of the swim with Learmonth, Kingma, and Holland on the bike early. Katie Zafiras was a little bit behind, but she ended up tacking on shortly afterwards. Unfortunately, Taylor Spivey just missed out on the front group. She was kind of hanging back in that six seconds um, gap for a while, but another time up Corkscrew Hill, and unfortunately she fell off the back. And back to the chase pack, you kind of, you don't want to be in that no man's land. And she ended up there for a bit until the second pack kind of swallowed her up. Uh, The 10 Hill repeats on Corkscrew Hill really mixed it up on the bike like it always seems to do. And going into the run, it was Jessica Learmonth, Katie Zephyrus, and Lottie Miller out of T2. And they had actually a huge, huge lead on the rest of the group with a two minute and 30 second deficit to the chase pack. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So they definitely made up some time and took advantage of that hill. And then, yeah, Katie Zaviris took an early lead and just extended it for the whole run. What's so cool about Katie is she's just dominating from every race distance, whether it's Super League, whether it's sprint triathlon at Abu Dhabi. And now this Olympic distance here, it's just incredible to see her going off the front, going hard and just pushing what she can do. So it's very cool to see.
0: Oh, that's amazing. So actually just talking about Katie's appearance there, she was on the show not too long ago and, and she's amazing because she's so humble about it too, right? Like,
1: absolutely. <laughs>
0: she's, she's not one of those, uh, triathletes to just go in there and just, they're gloating, I guess, on the fact that, that they're going to be number one or th- they're going for that, that spot. Like she's so humble about it and she's just so such an amazing athlete. So it, it's awesome to see and how she's doing in the speedy super league and then going to Olympic distance and still just dominating every every distance like it's incredible to watch so she's really cool and someone else to watch out for
1: absolutely it it'll be hard to call anyone but her as the favorite for the next few races here so it'll be interesting to see how those go down for sure and then uh yeah with the gap off the bike jessica Learmont ran solidly and ended up in second but the fun part that was a surprise and again there's always a surprise medal in this race was canadian joanna brown ran through the field for bronze and what's cool about that it, was her first ever WTS medal. So you could see the emotion, the excitement as she finally got up on that podium. She's been talked about as a super talent for quite a while, but she's had a few injuries that have kind of stopped that from coming through. So it'll be fun to watch her throughout this season to see how she goes.
0: Yeah. I mean, and it's awesome. Hey, I'm I'm super happy because that was a, a Canadian medal. So I'm super pumped about that. And I think Joanna Brown, and this is without research, but I, I was just talking to Jackson Laundry, and from what he was saying, it sounds like Joanna Brown's out of Guelph, which is in Ontario, so it, it oh, even yeah. hits hits that much more home to me. So I'm rooting for her because uh, she's about as hometown as it gets for me here in Ontario. So that's that's awesome, and it's great to see a Canadian out there doing that in such a competitive race, right?
1: Very cool. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be fun to see how she goes, and uh, yeah. So race standings after the race for the WTS series: Zafira's uh, winning the last two leads the series on 2,000 points with Learmonth in second and Taylor Spivey is in third. So it'll be interesting to uh, see how that goes as the season progresses.
0: Awesome. Very cool.
1: Yeah. And then we'll get on to the men's race. So the men's race last year was an absolute shocker. There was a breakaway on the bike by the uh, Norwegians. And it was an all-Norwegian podium for the first time ever, which was very cool to see. Um, it sounds like there was a little panic on the ITU side because they didn't actually have three Norwegian flags for the podium. It was just unprecedented. <laughs> so they ended That's up, hilarious. yeah, they ended up boring, borrowing one from a spectator, which luckily someone brought that along.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, it was very cool to watch. They it was just gutsy, hard racing, and this course just spoke to that right they could go hard up that hill over and over again um and then also the big story beforehand was that javier gomez Noya was returning to the itu to make a bid for the 2020 olympics um he's been doing the long distance for a while but after he had a fifth place showing at the uh, new plymouth world cup there was just a little bit of questioning how he'd actually do in bermuda right yeah it'll be interesting to see him go but Let's get to the race. Uh, The swim, Vincent Louis let out the swim. No huge surprise there. No. (laughs) They had most of the big names right with him, uh, with the exception of Mario Mola. Uh, He and another group kind of went off to the right a little bit, so they lost a little bit more time there too. Uh, For four laps out of the 10, Vincent Louis, uh, Brownlee, Gomez-Noia, Van Real, Schumann, and Antonio sret Led the bike taking turns to try to stay away. Uh, it wasn't enough to stay away from the chase pack, and one of your previous guests, Hayden Wild, Wild was helping push the pace to catch them. It kind of looked like it would be a group of 33 all together going on to the run, but then Jonah Schaumburg, Yorick Van Egnem, and Dorian Connix decide to go for it and try to break, it, break away on the last kilometer. So I think a lot of people would have liked to go with them, but that hill just takes it out of the legs. I don't know how many people could have if they <laughs> wanted to. <laughs> So, and then Schomburg knew there were some fast runners, and that's probably not his uh, strength out of the three sports, so he made another push to arrive in T2 alone and was first out onto the run there. Um, after that, uh, Vincent Blumenfeld, Gomez Noya, and Aydin started the chase right away. And you know You would expect the podium to come from one of those. They're all strong runners and pretty solid. But halfway through, Dorian Connicks actually caught them and started pushing, which broke up the group. I don't think anyone was really expecting to see him. And like I said, this race always kinda has surprise surprise podium winners. So Gomez tried to make the push to break away from Conex, but Connex ended up holding on and passing uh, Gomez Noya with two hundred meters to go.
0: Two hundred um, meters. Wow.
1: You know, oh. in a an hour forty five race, that's that's hard to sprint at the line yeah. for the finish.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. And then uh, I didn't definitely push to try to take uh, overtake Javier Gomez for the silver, but he is just pure class and talent and ended up winning the sprint to come in second place. So it was very cool to see those three just pushing right to the very end and seeing some big names drop off through that run as well.
0: Yeah, and- I'm I'm surprised. Like the the results and like... Uh, some heavy hitter names in there. And just to see the outcome is, I mean, rightfully so. These are all top notch triathletes. Like the podium finishers were is all well-deserved, but yeah, there's some big names in there and, and it's, it's crazy to see the outcome overall.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it was very cool because it was during Connick's first world triathlon series win. So he was stoked about that. And Javier Gomez, Noya back on the podium in the ITU series really shows that he's all in for making that 2020 Olympics bid, which is very exciting to see.
0: Awesome. No, that's really cool. And so what about the overall points now? Where are we at with that?
1: Sure. So Vincent Lewis leads the series on 1,500 points with Fernando Alarza second and another Frenchman, Leo Bouger, third. So they're leading the way for now and we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks time.
0: Exactly. Awesome. And, and that's very cool to see the ITU side of it. And I also like to uh, obviously there's no super league racing going on. Well, there's the qualifiers races going on right now, but um, the super leagues near towards the end of the year, but it's just to see these triathletes out there. It's such a different experience than to watch the Ironman distance racing, right? So to see these big names is just incredible to watch them race. So it's, it's a whole different dynamic of racing. So it's very cool. And now, I mean, that pretty much wraps it up for the world triathlon series for that weekend. But another race we had going on was the challenge Cancun, which uh, was also that weekend. And it wasn't, spoken about uh, too much i guess compared to the other races uh, at least not north america i know challenge is more of a uh, definitely in europe it's a it's a lot more of a bigger yeah. presence with like challenge roth and all those big ones but i mean uh surprisingly i guess because there's so many other races going on the weekend but there wasn't a massive pro lineup there but again if you ever podcast uh, guests like cody beals and ellie Salthouse were there and we were super pumped with that so i mean let's dive into that a bit did you uh, get to follow that race at all
1: yeah, so it's fun with Challenge. They're pretty good at really taking care of their athletes, and I know they provide some appearance fees. So you get some decent names at a lot of their races, and they just hold them in cool events. Like, I would love to go race in Cancun because you can just right. sit on the beach with a couple of cocktails afterwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so not a bad time for some of these athletes. Um, on the men's side, it was a great showing band, Andy Potts. He had a race-best swim and bike and ended up creating like a four-minute lead over Ben Hoffman. Cody Beals and Taylor Reed were chasing hard and eventually Cody passed Ben Hoffman, but he couldn't quite make it to the front and ended up second, just one minute down from Andy Potts. So he had a solid run there. And then Ben Hoffman held on for third. And then Canadian friend, uh, Taylor Reed, he was down in fourth and Alan Carrillo in fifth.
0: Awesome. And, and that's amazing to see. Like you know, I, I said there wasn't a huge lineup there, but I mean, you can look at this top five. That's a huge lineup in itself. But like these guys, like Andy Potts is incredible, and that uh, that run, like that's that's about a minute a minute difference between first and second place, which is still a lot. But that's still a, it's a close close match. Like if if anyone, yeah. they definitely both had to be on their a game, or else it could have been a just complete reverse, right? Cody in first, Andy Very Potts in second, whatever. So. That's, that's really cool to see. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad to see Taylor Reed out there, um, competing against some really big names like Ben Hoffman just won the Ironman South Africa. So, I mean, he's coming off a great win and Taylor Reed up with those guys like Ben Hoffman, Cody Beals, Andy Potts. That's awesome to see. So I really like that outcome and it's great to see two Canadians. I mean, that close to the podium and other than that, they're both really good friends. They think they train together quite a bit. So that's really cool to see. Oh,
1: fun. Yeah, definitely. And I'll give a little shout out. Uh, he's one of our latest coaches for MX Endurance. So he's joining the team there too. So Taylor Reed is here. Yeah.
0: Awesome. No, oh, that's amazing. That's always good to see.
1: Yeah. And then on the women's side, it was actually funny enough, a podium sweep by athletes coached by Siri Lindley. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely knows what she's doing uh, with coaching these women.
0: <laughs> Incredible. Eh?
1: Yeah. So it was a uh, previous guest, like you said, Ellie Salthouse led the swim by a minute 47, and just continued to push on the bike. She built up a five-minute lead on Miranda Carfre and uh, 10 minutes on the rest of the field, which is seriously solid. Um, and then with the fastest women's swim, bike, and run splits, she put time into her nearest competitor in every leg of the race and won by eight minutes and 40 seconds, which is massive in a 70.3 these days. Wow. The podium was rounded out by the legend Miranda Carfrey in second and Yvonne Blanberg then in third. And then we had Maddie Passion fourth and Elizabeth Maitre, um in fifth.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. I'm glad you said that last name because I wouldn't have been able to say it.
1: <laughs> that one's a little tougher. <laughs> yeah,
0: No, that, that's really cool. And and you know what? Speaking of Siri Lindley there, she has, of course, made an awesome reputation. Like She has some stellar training results from obviously having all three on the podium. And now she trains her athletes out of boulder colorado which is a, a big place that everyone's going to it seems like more and more pro athletes we hear from they're all going down to boulder colorado uh, with the elevation training and all that and it's just yeah. the ideal mecca for triathlon training and it just there's beautiful roads everywhere like a lot of support a lot of good top-notch trainers out there so it's really cool and she's definitely doing a lot of good things in the sport to push out yeah. people like this right like alice has been with Sarah lindley for a long time and she's really been the big motivation to keep her going actually at that 70.3 distance. So awesome stuff.
1: It's a really interesting interview that you had with Ellie Salthouse and how she was actually thinking about quitting for a while there. But uh, I actually got the opportunity to swim with series squad up in Boulder there a few years ago. Unfortunately, it's way too slow for the group (laughs) 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 lived and trained in uh, Denver for a few years. And it's absolutely incredible. The riding up there and some of the views and runs. So it's a beautiful place to train and race. Um, I never quite adapted to the elevation, but uh, I'm happy to be a little bit lower down here in Calgary.
0: Oh, awesome, eh? No, that's true. I've never had to deal with any elevation training, but from what I've heard, it's it's horrible to acclimatize yourself. But well, once, it's you, tough. Yeah. <laughs> so it's good on all those athletes out there who are putting themselves through that because that, that's crazy. No, it's yeah. good. And,
1: once you come down to sea level, you just feel like you're high on oxygen, which is kind of the cool part. <laughs>
0: That's awesome, eh? No, very cool. And and I, I mean, one more point on that uh, the challenge, Cancun. Just to to see Cody Beals out there coming in second, and I guess he had his last race. Was it in in Taiwan? I think at seventy point three. Anyway, he had to drop out. That was one of his first, I think, first ever DNFs, and oh, it was right. just because, yeah, he just wasn't feeling it. He like he he got sick right before the race. So through all that traveling. Um, just started coming down with a cold, all that. So he tried to give it a good race. And once he got out there after the swim, he just felt like a, like a zombie essentially. So he tried a little bit on the bike and then he just pulled over and said, you know what? He's like, I've got bigger races to look forward to in the season. Yeah. He's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna risk it. So obviously he made a good move on that because he's, he looked really well in this challenge Cancun. And of course he's, uh, got a big plan this, this season with uh, challenge Roth for his first time ever, and also his Kona debut. So we've got Definitely. a lot to look forward to from that.
1: Yeah. And that's always the tough part with being a professional traveling around the world like this. It's pretty easy to get sick with all the travel in between.
0: It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, and so switching over to the, uh, I mean, probably one of the most talked about races, I guess that weekend we had the Ironman Texas, which it was an incredible race to watch. And, uh, you know, I love the fact that it's on Facebook live because I know they, I think they started that in 2017 and it, I know there's still some sort of like stale images that come up from the drones or like, I know they're still working through some, some tweaks on it, but overall it's, it's fantastic coverage to watch. And I mean, I got to watch it on the treadmill. So it was really a great feature that Ironman's been able to, to, to sort of do that. Right. And I yeah. mean, let's dive into that race a bit. So how to, how to look on the woman's side.
1: Yeah. So it was really exciting. Everyone was assuming that Danielle reef would just dominate this race with no problem. She's done it at every Iron Man she's done, except one where Miranda Carfrey beat her. But the race didn't quite turn out that way. Um, actually, Jocelyn McCauley, who I guess we will be talking to next week, came in with a lot of confidence after her win in Ironman New Zealand eight weeks ago and locking up her Kona qualification at the time. She really was outspoken and made it known she was coming in with fitness and confidence and wasn't racing for second place like so many athletes lining up to Daniela Reef do. Um, There was also a lot of talk about Daniela going after the Ironman world record, Um, but her coach, Brett Sutton, made it clear, kind of, he thinks the world record is pretty arbitrary because the kind of extreme differences in courses and conditions, and it was near meaningless in his eyes, so I don't know if that was her intention or not, but uh, it didn't seem like there was a lot of emphasis on it.
0: Yeah, interesting, huh?
1: Yeah. So for the race, Danielle came out in first place and she led most of the bike until Jocelyn surged past her with about 10 kilometers to go. And there's a lot of questions if that was something that was smarter not to do, but Jocelyn knows her fitness and is strong. So in that time, uh, Kimberly Morrison actually made up for her four minute swim deficit and the three were close in transition with Jenny Seymour 17 minutes down. With a quick transition, Kimberly Morrison led out the run But Jocelyn McCauley overtook her pretty quickly. And the cool part is she ended up building almost a two-minute lead on Daniela, which no one was really expecting to see. And putting her streak of Ironman wins really in question at that point. But Daniela Reef, she started to, uh, I guess, come good and pick it up and ended up passing passing Jocelyn in a pretty commanding fashion. I watched that pass (laughs) go down and she was just gone (laughs) Uh, with about eight kilometers to go. Uh, Jenny Seymour actually was constantly making up time in the marathon and she and Leslie Smith ended up passing Kimberly Morrison um, to come in third and fourth place. So it was it was a very cool race to watch go down because no one had really put uh, Danielle Reef under pressure like that for a long time.
0: That's right. No, it's, it's so true. And I mean, obviously, Danielle, she's uh, one heck of an athlete out there. And uh, you see it in Kona, you see it in every race, like Oceanside, like she's, she's done phenomenal. And she, it, it was awesome to see, because, you know, people always said is it like, it's like, well, actually, you just made a perfect example, like, uh, saying it's Danielle's going to come first, and then who's going to get second, who's racing for second, but I th- I'm happy to see that um, Jocelyn was able to put up that fight, right, and just sort of make it like anybody's game again. So That was really cool. And it was awesome to see like, I mean, eight kilometers to go. When you think of it, that was a long, a long lead um, going into that marathon. Right. So she did incredible. So for the conditions, maybe in the future, I I definitely see that being another very close match. So that was really cool.
1: And now she has that experience and knows that she can be that close uh, Jocelyn. So that'll make it interesting to watch in Kona and uh, speaking of Kona qualifications. So Danielle and Jocelyn already had Kona qualifications. So the two spots that were there for the women rolled down to Jenny Seymour in third and Leslie Smith in fourth. Um, and actually, Jocelyn just missed out on the American Iron Man record by about 20 seconds uh, set by Heather Jackson. So that was pretty crazy to see that timing come down. Everyone was kind of counting down on the clock. <laughs>
0: So that's crazy. Eh? And, and you know, what, like as we talked about the sport getting it becoming so much more faster. And like, there's, there's world records being broken here, left, right and center. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy to see because like we, we were talking to Melissa Hosschild and I think she previously, I don't know if it's before or after or whatnot, but she broke the record at Ironman Texas for the, for a female. and, I think that was uh time eight thirty one eight 31, maybe. Anyway, you, then you see Daniela reef also break the record in Kona and it's just, there's record after record being broken. And it's, it's just amazing to see like uh, how fast this, this racing has become these days. Right. Definitely. And it's, it, it's crazy to see the Brett Sutton, was it her <laughs> coach? Anyway, just saying that, you know, it's kind of arbitrary that he's not focusing on the record. So whether these athletes are or not, I mean, I, personally, if I thought I could go for a world record, <laughs> I think that would be my focus, right?
1: So. Yeah, definitely. And I will say the one caveat there, um, Danielle Reif did set the world record for Ironman, but there's still a fastest ever time at the Ironman distance that uh, Chrissy Wellington set at 8.18. So no one's wow. really come close to that yet. I think, I think it was Challenge Roth that she did it at, but it'll be interesting to see how close women can get to that in the future because these women like Daniela, she's talked about how She's not so much worried about beating the women these days. She wants to see how many men she can beat in these races. <laughs> and it's she's just getting to the point where it, that could become a possibility.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, but for sure. Starting to
1: see her progress where when you you run out of challenges and you're like, "Okay, well I'm fast enough to beat most of these women, let's start counting down the guys." <laughs> it's exciting to see.
0: that's awesome. I know that's really cool. And and I'm excited that, uh, we're able to sort of watch her go through this, right? Like as much as we want someone else like Jocelyn to come up and, and overtake her and just, you know, put in a good fight. Like I'm always happy to see Daniela win. It's just, it's an incredible story to watch and sort of, um, make history of, right. So it's very cool. Absolutely. Now let's uh, talk about the the men's side. Also, that was a very interesting race as well. So kind of what came out of that?
1: Yeah. So the men's race, it's always interesting when Andrew Starkwitz is in a race, <laughs> he's going to make the lead up exciting and have a few things to say. He actually ended up having a very loud encouragement of the uh, men in the race start in the water to make sure to keep it a fair race and not draft at all. So they're all kind of treading water at the beginning, waiting to go. And Starkey starts uh, talking about that and yelling at them to keep a fair distance, which you know, what? it sounds like this was a much more fair race than it has been in the past. So apparently it got through to a few people, which is good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, eh?
1: Yeah. And uh, so the actual race, Alexander Bergen led the swim, but it wasn't long before Andrew Starkwitz took the lead on the bike, which is no surprise there. I think he went like sub four hours last time on this course, but it was it was a little short last year. It sounds like it was pretty fair this year, pretty close to race distance, which is awesome. good. Yeah. Um, the one thing people are talking about is Patrick Nielsen held on to Starkwitz for about half the bike ride before letting the Uber biker go. Um, there was a lot of debate whether Patrick Nielsen was going too hard or if that was, again, a good idea, but he definitely knew what he was doing. Um, he ended up coming off the bike about nine minutes down from Starkwitz. And David Pleshe, there's a lot of debate on how to say his last name, but it's
0: Plesha. <laughs> That's what
1: we were say. There we go. Um, he ended up coming off the bike about 16 minutes down. But Patrick Nielsen just started chipping away at Andrew's lead pretty quickly. Um, although Andrew looked better running than he has in a little while here. But he soon took the lead um, and ended up winning comfortably with a 2.42 marathon in that heat, which is wicked. And wow. minutes ahead of David Plesha, uh, who passed Starkwitz on the marathon as well. And then Starkwitz held on for third. Uh, Patrick Nielsen will be one to watch at Kona. He's really proving that he's fast enough to keep up with the top guys across swim, bike, and run. Um, I know I didn't have a great race in his last one, but he's definitely announced himself on the world stage here.
0: For sure, eh? And, I mean, speaking of uh, Starkey there, like, th- I mean, that's one of the reasons why I do love the, the Ironman full distance, right? Like, 100%, when I saw him come off the bike in that lead and then go into the run, and his run actually looked really good. Like, he was he was doing really well, And for the longest time, I thought I was like, okay, like, this is it. He, he's gonna, he's first place. Like, that's awesome. And I mean, that, that was when I was on the treadmill as well. Right. And that was, I was thinking like, well, like good for him. He did it, but sure enough, like it can change so much at the second half of the Ironman race. Right. And I think what we've begun to realize is that Ironman comes down to the second end of the marathon. Like, absolutely. It doesn't matter, I guess, how much of lead you have off the bike, which To me, like Starkey Starkey for sure was going to win that, and I was was proven wrong. So that was very cool to watch.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's been said many times that Ironman's not about who goes the fastest. It's about who slows down the least, because that last half marathon, that is make or break for sure.
0: (laughs) I like that quote. That's very good. (laughs)
1: Um, And then for Kona qualifications, um, Patrick Nielsen, David Plesha, Joe Skipper, and Cal Buckingham already had, uh, or they earned their Kona spots and Andrew Starkowitz and Matt Hansen were already qualified. So Ironman's kind of changing up how they're doing the slots this year with the actual races being the determiner instead of doing a point system. But it has been kind of interesting there because they give two spots for the women's side, two spots for the men's side, and then two floater spots. And those two floater spots are determined by the number of professionals that show up on both the men's and the women's side. So In this case, with the number of women showed up, it ended up that those two extra slots both went to the men's side. So a few more men qualified there. So we're not quite at equal numbers in Kona yet, but uh, hopefully we'll see a few races this year where the women actually end up getting some of those floater spots so we can see more women on the start line.
0: For sure. No, that's awesome. And overall, like that Ironman Texas was an incredible race on both sides, like lots of lots of surprises and lots of uh, action-packed stuff. So it it was really cool to watch. And, I mean, lastly, just to throw in there, uh, Matt Russell, he was one guy, I think, I don't want to say he came 11th because I, I, I'd have to double check. I've looked at so many stats these days, but I think he came around the 11th mark and I'm sure he was expecting more, but he, he did look spectacular out in the race and he did very well. And I mean, really it's no fault in his own. Like, it's not like he bonked or anything, but it just turned out it wasn't his day to shine. And I mean, that's totally cool. That happens in an Ironman with every athlete, right? So, um, that's the beauty of the sport. Like every race could be anybody's game because of all the variables, but I mean, I'm just glad to see that Matt's back after like, we've all heard about the Kona accident in yeah, 2017. Definitely. Right. So it was, uh, that really impacted him a lot. And to see him back to his old self, it just looking fantastic out in the, in the race. So, um, it was really cool to see that. And I know he didn't get a podium by any means. I'm sure he was hoping for that, but I definitely think he's a guy to watch out for as well. Cause he's just getting back in the group of things and, mm-hmm. and he showed really well last year in Kona. So I think we could see similar again. So that was very yeah,
1: cool. It's good to see him back racing. That was yeah, it was interesting to hear about that accident. Um, there was also one other thing that uh, I need to put a special mention in there. There was also actually Challenge Taiwan last weekend. And the crazy part about this race is Lisa Roberts ran the fastest marathon overall, faster than any of the men and anyone, which wow. is something that I think we've only seen like once before. But it wasn't that she ran faster than kind of unknown men either. She ran faster than Cameron Brown, Andreas Raylert. <laughs> wow, <laughs> like there's some serious competitors. But she smoked them all on the run, which was kind of cool to see. And you know, talking back to Daniela Reeve, talking about how maybe one of these days she'll be top overall. It's it's showing that it could be a possibility here in the future. So huh. she'll be one to keep an eye on.
0: That's really incredible. Eh? So Lisa Roberts, good for her. That's yeah. that's a huge thing to take home. So very cool. I'm excited about that. Mm-hmm. Now. I mean, let's, let's sort of uh, wrap up the the post-race coverage and we'll talk a little bit about the, the pre-race analysis or I guess sort of our prediction. So yeah. let's uh, let's look into next weekend or I guess this weekend coming up here. We'll talk about who we think is going to fare well in, in any race. So, I mean, I think the biggest one that's being, or I no, I shouldn't say the biggest because there's a few big ones being talked about, but one of the biggest ones is the Ironman 7.3 St. George this weekend. So, I mean, who do you think uh, will fare well on both the male side and the female side?
1: Yeah, so I'll start with the female side. This race always draws a really solid field um, for the women's race, and a lot of years it's actually been the battle of the heathers with Heather Jackson and Heather Wortel going down. But this year, Holly Lawrence is going to be racing this as well, and she's an athlete who seems to be pretty good on tough courses. And she just came second at Oceanside a little while ago, so she looks like she's strong. So I'd say I'm going to go with her for the win here. Um, and then on the men's side. I have to go for Sebastian Keenley. Just, I know he's raced here a number of times and hasn't quite gotten that top spot yet, but he is so strong on the bike and those Hills are just absolutely brutal that I think this year will be his year to take it in St. George.
0: For sure. No, you're absolutely right. And you know what? I'm, I'm thinking so, somewhat similar to the same thing, right? Like uh, between Keenley or Hoffman, they they both have experience yeah. on this course, right? And they've both been doing extremely well this season. Like they're both coming off some great races. So Uh, with the experience and with their so far doing so well this season i think they're probably one of my picks to to say if not um you know i mean bart arnott's he podiumed in kona but again this is his first race at uh, the 7.3 saint george so i mean he's another huge competitor but at the same time i think maybe that experience will give either hoffman or or keenly the edge but I mean, other than that, like, I'm going to throw one out here as well. Of course, Jackson Laundrie, he's there. I know he's not the one that's highly mentioned, but I know he's really been dialing in his aerodynamics. He's been doing some really awesome training as of lately, and this will be a big race for him. So I'm going to throw that guy out there as well. Jackson Laundrie, if it's not going to be Keenly or Hoffman, I'm going to say possibly him. So that's it for the men's side. And I guess uh, for the woman's side, I guess, of course, Jocelyn McCauley. And it's either her or Holly Lawrence. I mean, you're right with the Holly Lawrence. She's, uh has a really good chance. And Jocelyn McCauley, the only reason why I could see Holly sort of winning this over her is because simply, I just don't think she will try her hardest because she just came off the full Ironman a week ago, right? So I think for Jocelyn, it's just going to be, she's going out there and see what she could do. Uh, I don't think she's going out there to prove anything, right? So um, Yeah,
1: it sounds like it's a little more of an experiment to see kind of how she can back up a week after an Ironman. And that's thing. Right. You either feel awesome or terrible about a week out after that week, you feel terrible for a little while, <laughs> but yeah. it, um, it's pretty hit and missing there. So it'll be interesting to see how she goes kind of coming off that high of really giving Daniela a run for her money. She might have some serious confidence between her win, um, uh, about two months ago and then coming up against Daniela. And who knows that mindset, especially on a tough course, like St. George might pull her through. It'll be interesting to see how she goes.
0: Yeah. Awesome. It'll be anyone's game. So I'm looking forward to that. And and now I guess let's go over to Spain. They're doing the ITU Long Distance World Championships. Um, yeah. and it, what is it, Ponta Vedras?
1: I've heard Pontavera, so I'm going to go Ponte with that. Vera.
0: okay, perfect. <laughs> All right, so uh, who are your picks in there?
1: So ITU Long Distance, it's my favorite race distance for, <laughs> for <laughs> obvious reasons. Of course, yeah. But um, <laughs> and this one's a tough one because you have Javier gomez Noyas coming out there, and he is just – Pure class, but it'll be interesting to see how he goes after racing so hard um, last weekend in Bermuda because that wasn't an easy race for him. He really had to push. And when it comes down to a sprint, that seems to take a little bit more out of the legs. But he is so strong, you never know. But I'm going to say for the men's side, I'm going to go with Terenzo Bazzoni. He's just an awesome athlete these longer distance races. And it has a bit of a hillier bike course, which will play to his strengths as well. But overall, I just I can't wait to see it go down. It's fun to see some big names actually racing for the long distance world's title. On the women's side, um, I'm going to go with Camilla Pedersen. I think she can she can get it done at this kind of distance.
0: Awesome! No, that's very cool. And you, and you know what? I'm I'm somewhat thinking the same thing. And you know what? I mean, you've you've got a lot more experience with the ITU long distance series than I would. So I'm I'm more or less looking at names that I'm, I'm familiar with here. And um, so I'm going to take a stab and I'm going to say. I'm going to say Gomez and uh, Camila Peterson as well. Um, that's just what I'm going to throw out there. I could be totally wrong on that. So this is more of like a hopeful prediction. Just there we to go. say that I'm right, right? But uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to go with for the ITU long distance worlds. And awesome. now what about the Ironman Australia? So what do you think about that coming up?
1: Yeah, so Ironman Ma- Iron Australia should be a pretty good one. Uh, Laura Sadal has won the last two years. But Carolyn Steffen's back racing, um, this race this year, and she is just so strong. It's, uh, it's cool to see her coming back in winning form. She already has a Kona spot from winning Western Australia. So it'll be interesting to see how she goes here. Um, but yeah, definitely picking her for the win. And then on the men's side, uh, I'm going to go with Tim Van Burkle. I think he could have a good result here this year. How about awesome. yourself? Who do you see taking it in Australia?
0: So you're right, Van Verkel. Yeah, he could do really well. Actually, wasn't thinking so much of that. I my pick was going to be Cam Werf for the men's. Um, you know he's a, such a strong biker, and yeah, I, I know. I was just I was actually just talking to the the CEO of uh, Swiss Side, the the cycling company, and he does some extremely detailed aerodynamic testing, and he he does it with like Daniela reef and Patrick Langa, and he said he just oh, cool. finished up with Cameron Werf actually, and they really dialed him in. So you have a really top-notch cyclist who just got dialed in for his aerodynamics even further so i'm, uh, I'm curious to see how that goes so i'm gonna say cam Worf and then laura settle as well for the the female so
1: yeah it'll be interesting i hope it's a close race between laura Siddle and uh, carolyn stefan that'd be good but cam werff he is just such a machine on the bike it's really once again we're starting to see these uber bikers kind of come through and really mix up the racing which is fun to see
0: for sure, and then lastly, the other one is the Ironman seventy point three Bustleton that will be going on. So, do you have any hopefuls in this race?
1: Yeah, so this one, not too sure on this, but it's it's very cool to see Craig Alexander is still out there racing, which is mm-hmm. incredible. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm gonna have to say him for the men's race. I think he can take it there. And then on the women's side, I'm gonna go with Sarah Crowley. She's been showing some good form. Beauty. How about you? who do you think's gonna take it here?
0: You know, what? no, that's perfect. I, I pretty much am going off this one. I'm, I'm hopeful that these people win. Now, again, I want Craig Alexander to win, uh, of course, and then uh, one of our past guests, Felicity Shitty Ryan. Now she's a, or Flick, as she's more well known for. Yeah. But um, you know, I think she's doing really well, and she's just proved herself really well at the Super League qualifiers. So mm-hmm. I know it's a, it's a big jump in, in distance, but. I'm I'm happy to see like she's doing really well and she's really tuned in right now and I think she's been looking forward to the 70.3 race for quite a while now so I'm uh, I'm hopeful for her so that's uh, yeah. that was my pick so
1: yeah she was great to listen to on uh, our last interview with her there she sounds like a lot of fun actually <laughs>
0: Oh yeah oh, she's super cool eh? and I mean you know it's gonna be fun because you know I was writing these down as as you picked your picks because I want to keep a tally over the season so okay. we'll see how we fare because it'd be exciting to see I mean who's got the true knack for picking
1: winners?
0: (laughs) I mean, I I could tell a few mine here are pretty hopeful, but Mm -hmm. I, you know, nonetheless, we'll see, right. It'll be be fun to look back on.
1: That's definitely, and it's kind of that you have the people you want to win and then you have the people who you think will win. So a little bit of both and yeah, we'll see who, uh, comes down with the most points at the end of the season it sounds like
0: yeah <laughs> perfect no it's good and honestly you know what that's a, that's a wrap jenna i mean so of course this is just a nice little intro episode um but we've had a ton of fun doing that and i mean looking ahead to the next two weeks like we said earlier we have a couple great guest lineups and uh, next week we have jocelyn McCauley coming on so we've got mm-hmm. to ask her a ton of questions on her i'm in texas race on both um, how her experience was racing with Dan- Daniela Reef, and also we'll talk about the upcoming results um, in St. George 7.3. So you know, we're hoping yeah. the best for her, and we'll get to hear about both races from her. And so that would be really cool.
1: That'll be awesome. Yeah, and then we'll be lining up some great guests after that. Uh, we'll keep uh, keep some of the Canadians coming on. We're going to talk with Tyler Mislichuk, who's everywhere from Super League to WTS and a few other races outside of that. And it'll be good to kind of get his perspective on the racing and how his season's going as we awesome. lead into the Olympics.
0: Beauty. Yep. The more Canadians, the better. We're, we're biased on this podcast. (laughs) We like a little bit. (laughs) Awesome. So, I mean, that's a wrap guys. so I mean, obviously be sure to hit that subscribe button and, uh, I mean, expect some awesome weekly episodes coming up. So we're gonna have a lot of fun with this.
1: Yeah, definitely. And if you guys like these episodes, um, definitely subscribe, like you said, and check out the Instagram page at pacing and racing. And then you can also find me at Jenna Air.
0: Awesome. And I mean, uh, lastly, guys, if you did like this episode, obviously, please take a couple minutes just to leave a a review on the podcast channel. Other than that, uh, that's it. and We'll talk to you next time. Have a good one. Take care, guys.